Welcome to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are live from the Boss Hawk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. And look, we're a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me introduce to you Corporal David DeGresta. Yes, this is going to be called, uh, what are we calling it? It's, uh, is it a day shift with a de-escalator, I believe? Is that right, David? Very good. You got it right that time. All right. All right. Good. So yeah, good show for you guys today. Hey, we have motion DSP goals, global ordinance.com, gunlearn.com on Medicare.live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. Matter of fact, yeah, I'm getting low, but hey, I got the I got the rainbow unicorn today, David. I know, I know, I know. One of your favorites. Hey, uh, shout out to Brian Burns for the free press for carrying our content. Thanks, Brian. And also Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media at redvoicemedia.com. You know, we're streaming the eight locations right now. No, YouTube is not one of them. And uh, three of them, though, belong to Red Voice Media. And those three Facebook pages alone have about one million followers. So thanks to Ray Dietrich and Red Voice Media for helping make that happen. Uh, guys, a, uh, a great lineup. we got a bunch of streamers that are you know, commenting you know, to us right now that we can see on the screen. David and I both can. Uh, but our first topic is the main topic. They have a tendency to be a little bit deeper. It's on lawofficer.com. Tucker Carlson says police chief told him the January 6th crowd was full of federal agents. Listen to this story. Former Fox News host Tucker Carlson, of course, you guys all know about the drama going on between Tucker and Fox and how he's on Twitter now. But he told Russell Brand's podcast on Friday the story that never got the air because he was fired just before it was set to run. So Carlson, he had the most watched cable news uh, show prior to being fired. He told Brand that he interviewed Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund. And now Carlson said that Sund, the chief, told him that the January 6th crowd was full of federal agents prior to the protest turning into a riot at the Capitol building. He goes on to say that uh, uh, that on Friday that he had no idea as he watched the riot on television that U.S. law enforcement or military agencies had anything to do with it. And he said that actually never crossed his mind. Added that he is not a, a conspiracy theorist uh, that have uh, you know such kinds of thoughts like that. He said, I never thought that. And when I interviewed the chief of the Capitol Police, Stephen uh, Sun, in an interview that was never aired on Fox, by the way, I was fired before it could air. But Chief Stephen Sun, who's totally non-political, and he says that it's not like uh, he's some right-wing activist. He's the chief of the Capitol Police on January January the 6th, and he said, oh, yeah, that crowd was filled with federal agents. And, yes, he would know, of course, because he was in charge of security at the site. And that's what Tucker said. So interesting, uh, interesting twist, David. We've heard uh, some hints of that before, but... Never from an interview from a uh, Capitol Police chief. Well, let's let's be uh, let's be honest about it. In in situations like this, it is not uncommon for law enforcement to embed undercover uh, surveillance officers into crowds to you know keep track of, watch, report, uh, all that sort of stuff, and then be able to identify people that need to be arrested. Uh, the The only troubling part of it is is a, what they were doing, if there was accountability for their actions, exactly what they were doing. And I'm sure that they had a lot to do with being able to identify people that were ended up ended up being arrested later on. But then the other side of that coin is, if the feds are embedding uh, agents, uh, undercover agents into that scenario, did they embed agents into the some of the BLM riots? Did they, it would have been simple, dress them in black, put on a mask, maybe carry an umbrella and you're in, you walk right in there and, and get right in close and see what people are doing, what they're talking about, what weapons they have, what their plans are, the whole nine yards. But we never saw any of that. So the, the, the troubling aspect is not that they had them embedded. As I said, that happens 
quite often right. in these types of scenarios. It's it's the picking and the choosing of where they're going to enforce, who they're going to go after, uh, and who they're not going to go after. That's the troubling part. If, if you're going to do it, do it across the board. If, if if it's going to be there, then it should have been in all the BLM riots. It should be. It should continue to be in those things because those people are are the terrorists, without a doubt. Burning police stations, burning cars, um, you know, you name it. Uh, all the things that we saw going on uh, in those BLM riots. So that's what troubles me. Is if they were there, why weren't they everywhere else? All right. Thanks, David. Good. You know, I have a feeling there's a lot more stuff that we're going to be finding out. So just these little bits of information keep, you know, leaking out. So interesting. Well, look, moving along, we've got, you know, plenty more topics to talk about here. So our next one, we've got an update here. And police one Florida officer who fled a traffic stop after an exchange with a deputy. He has actually been formally charged. And when I say formally charged, I mean criminally charged. So uh, so uh, I guess it's called it's pronounced Oviedo and it's in Florida. But this Orlando police officer who was caught on camera, he was fleeing a traffic stop. It happened last month in an agency-issued cruiser. He's in his police car. He's been formally charged by a prosecutor in Seminole County, Florida. So, yeah, we had, I know that we had uh, differing thoughts on this. The uh, 18th Circuit Court Attorney's Office or, or State Attorney's Office on Wednesday charged Orlando Police Department Officer Alexander Shayon uh, with a felony, uh, it, I guess, fleeing and eluding. A law enforcement officer it's a misdemeanor counter resisting arrest without violence as well so officer uh, officer shioni was stopped by Seminole county sheriff's uh, deputy they don't give his name but it happened on june the 9th for driving about 80 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone he did not have a siren or emergency equipment activated at the time he's on his way to work i think he's running late video recorded uh by the deputy showed that he sped uh, that he sped after um after the officer that he caught speeding and he pulls him over so the officer uh, Shayoni is irritated. He breaks the deputy a little bit for pulling him over. She's driving to work and he goes, what does it look, what does it look like I'm dressed for? Cause he had his work stuff on. And when the deputy responded by the demanding the officer's driver's license, the officer said no before getting back in his cruiser and he drove off. So the officer had been relieved of duty during the criminal case and he's pled not guilty uh, so far. So that's the latest and the greatest on this case, David. Um, you know, we talked about it and, and yeah, the, this, it all went South when the officer cop the attitude when the deputy stopped him and said, Hey, why are you, why are you speeding like this through my backyard? Um, and, and that, that's when it went South is when the officer said, uh, because I'm in uniform and he left at, at this point, the, the deputy has no choice. He's got no choice, but to go forward with this because it's all on, it's all on body cam. Somebody goes and finds that body cam later on and he didn't do anything. He, he's burned. So that cop put everybody in a jackpot over this mess. Um, now that there was a little addendum on the, from police one in, in this article, uh, uh, somebody talking about, you know, how to handle a, uh, speeding cop, you know, type of thing. And that, that was kind of uh, disappointing. It was very, there was no substance to it. So that, that was kind of a waste, but every scenario is different. We talked about it. Cops have discretion. You can do a lot of different things on the street and every scenario is different. Um, it, it, I can't sit here and say, well, I would have done this. I would have done that. It, it all depends on the scenario that you're in at the moment and, and how the, the players interact, what their attitudes are, all that sort of stuff, and what you can accomplish without issuing a citation, all that sort of stuff. So it, I, I can't fault the deputy for, for what he did. Uh, the cop was wrong. Yeah, it's um, unfortunate coming back to bite him, but yeah, you're, you're, 
you're right. We've uh, we've been all been pulled over and uh, usually very apologetic and stuff. So um, yeah, bad situation all the way around. Uh, moving on, and look, I, we're getting ready to get some stories of a video components to look for our audio listeners that are watching us on you know podcasts and listen to us on radio and stuff. We'll describe in great detail what's going on so you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. So we're at Rumble.com, our favorite law enforcement uh, video channel. It is called This Is Butter. Las Cruces police they narrowly escaped death in a pursuit in a shooting incident involving a wanted suspect. So this is just, this is a, you know, recent, recent stuff. It's not out there anywhere else. So Las Cruces police said that officers were inches away from death when shots were fired by a suspect following a pursuit. It happened on June the 21st in the city's uh, East Mesa. It said that when it's, uh, when it says narrowly missing them, we're talking about inches from the sergeant's head, both rounds exiting and passing by him, said the chief, Jeremy Story, and his chief of the department. He's the interim chief. The police said that New Mexico State Police, they're pursuing a 47-year-old named Bobby Charles Crawford because, you know, bad guys have three names, right? And he had warrants out for his arrest. So he fails to stop for the state police. And so they forced La Cruz's police to use a pit maneuver to end the chase. So we have two agencies involved in this chase. So once the car came to a stop after the pit, two shots are fired at the officers from our bad guy. Their windshield is shattered and the officer was tangled in his seatbelt before he fires back. That's true. Crawford was hit at least once or bad guy, and both officers had minor injuries from broken glass, not not from uh, the bullet itself. So that's the way it went down. Wild video, uh, and, and yeah, it just it's yeah. I'll let you describe what's going on in the video, David. But uh, it, it's interesting. Yeah, the you know the it was the this was a, and I hate to say standard, but it was a kind of a regular pursuit of a violent armed felon uh, by the cops. They pit him. They do it appeared to do a good job on the pit. They finish it. They follow through with the pit and pin it, pin the, the vehicle. It looked like a, a large SUV of some sort, like a, a Tahoe or Suburban that they pitted with their own SUVs, pinned it. And once they pitted it and 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 immobilized the vehicle, which is all absolutely textbook. But now you're in tight. You're in tight and you've got an armed guy that starts shooting at shooting at you. The one guy that bailed out the first body cam, I guess it was the the I'm not sure which one it was that he saw his the the seatbelt, the shoulder part of the seatbelt get kind of caught on his wrist. And he's trying to struggle to get out of the car as shots are being fired, fired. But, you know, he stays with and he, he rolls out, run, goes around to the back of the car and immediately starts to engage the bad guy through the windshield of the bad guy's car. And you can see the strikes as he's putting rounds on target. Uh, went right to work. A uh, little bit of a, of a hiccup with the seatbelt, but it wasn't enough to slow him down very much. Now it starts to get a little bit more interesting because the, the the other body cams kick in. You see those, and the officers in those, I think there was two other body cams. The first one, uh, 
I believe probably the sergeant that got that got shot at through the windshield returned fire with his fire with his sidearm through out out through his windshield at the bad guy. And we've talked about this before, and we sit there, you know, say this is an absolute last resort scenario. And my God, you're you're taking you know a lot of chances with where the bullets are going and how the how the ballistics are reacting. And we see that in this video, and we'll follow up on it after commercial break. Thanks, David. David's right. Commercial break. We will be right back, though. All right. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years for the robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software, easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with Spotlight's one-click automating tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to achieve results quickly in just three steps, import, process, and export. A Spotlight is built specifically for redaction. It works with video from any camera source. And using Motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology, it automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information and saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction and forensic enhancement software that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using patented super-resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. You can actually get forensically valid evidence from just low-quality video in minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products and capabilities by simply going to MotionDSP.com. You'll be glad that you did MotionDSP.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're live from the Ball Soccer Radio <laughs> Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, yeah, I just put up a I put up a photo of one of our streamers there. Uh, yeah, David, I, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thank you, Lisa, by the way. I'm a professional. What can I tell you? Um, back back to the uh to the to the shooting. The the officer, the second officer, the second body cam, he's got his sidearm and he starts to return fire through the windshield. Now, we talked about this being a very last resort type of a thing to do, and I imagine in these tight quarters he may have felt that, but and I'm not gonna criticize that he did it, but you but in this scenario, you start seeing the the problems that can occur when you when you do do it. You should be aware of and and what your what the possibilities are. He brought the firearm up, and because of the vehicle that he was in, he, he had both. I believe because of the position of the firearm, he had weak wrists and he had weak arms in in his in his hold, and what that caused was a was a jam in his in his firearm. The gun jammed twice. And he had he cleared it both times. Nice job. He cleared it both times. But that's something that we see in a in a non-conventional firing scenario where you are in a bad position inside of a car trying to shoot through a windshield and you're unable to get a really good solid stance and hold on your firearm. Things go bad as far as the cycling of that gun. But he again, he stays in the fight. He clears the gun. He reloads, you know, uh, you know, uh, slap rack and, and fire. He got back right in it. Um, and again, put targets, put rounds on target, did a good job of doing that. But that little problem, just those small little mistakes that can cost us. The third officer in the thing had a rifle. Nothing goes wrong. <laughs> he, uh, I, th I think he also fired through his windshield. Uh, but then again, he, he unasked his car, got around and started uh, putting rounds on target as well. Um, overwhelmed the bad guy. I, I guess if he only got hit once, it's because he was on the floorboard of his vehicle uh, cowering uh, because he knew the the firepower was coming. Uh, he got hit once. They took him into custody. That was it. But other than that, you know, a tip. I, I hate to say typical, but that's that's what it is. A, a pit and a shootout. Uh, these guys held their own and, di and did a good job overall. 
Yeah, you know, I good observations, David. I was thinking the uh, the same thing with the, uh, um, you know, with the it looked like two stovepipes, you know, on the, uh, yeah. you know, on the gun. Yeah. Uh, but you know, in the movies and stuff, these guys are holding guns sideways, and guns are made to perform a certain way to eject rounds a certain way. They're meant to have just enough pressure in order to be able to do that. So David's mm-hmm. right when you have a weak grip, that that gun can't cycle, uh, you know, a lot of that energy that it needs to to eject the old casing and to put the new round in. That energy, if it's absorbed by a, a loose wrist, a weak wrist, um, you're gonna, you may not get it all the way out of there. And then, you know, God help you, you've got a, I mean, you may have a, a, a stovepipe, which is an easy jam to clear, but you know, God help you, if it's a double feed and you're in a shootout, it's going to take you a little while before you yeah. get that thing ready to go. Well, he did on on one of them. He cleared the magazine. He, he I think he stripped the magazine out. Uh, so, and however you however you practice clearing these these types of jams, it's it's very important to do that. Of course, our friend Brett Bartlett would would agree with me on yeah. that. You, you need to know how to clear your firearm in, in, under stress. So, and he did, and he did a very good job of it. It's just a matter of okay, what did we what did we do to cause that that malfunction, and how do we correct it? And like I said, I think I think we I know the reason why. So, but they did good good job. Yeah, you know, I know some guys that clear it. Uh, clear it assuming it's like a double feed every time double feed will clear a, a stove pipe but they just do it the the extra hard way just you know just in case they're not you know um yeah like i said if you if you've got if you've got the magazines on your belt and and you're proficient you're proficient at that then yeah strip it you know do what you got to do just you've got to get that thing cleared and get back in the fight as fast as you possibly can um and if that's the way you you do it comfortably and and consistently I, I'm not going to fault you for it. It's just like anything else. I mean, you you should focus on your in your training on on everything, firearms, uh, arrest techniques, all that sort of stuff. You should focus on the techniques that work for you, that you do well, that you can do that you can do consistently well, and focus on those and stick with those um, uh, and use them, and, and they will serve you when it when the when it gets tight, as it was in this situation. You know, a lot of people, Dave, go on and they get the semi-automatic pistols because they look cool. They're in the movies and stuff. And I, I tell you, this is, I'm, I'm kind of glad we got this on camera because here we've got a, a seasoned cop, a guy that's gone through a, a lot of firearm training, firearms training, but, you know, he had a couple jams, you know, in a shootout. It, it wasn't at the range. He wasn't, you know, it, it was a stressful situation. Um, and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is, is that you have a semi-automatic you're going to have jams. It's just, it's not if it's, it's when it's going to happen. And, and odds are when you're in a situation like that is when it's going to happen. And, you know, you got to know how to clear those jams. And that means like us, we've done it hundreds, if not thousands of times. It's second nature. We'll recognize immediately. Dave and I would, whether it's a stovepipe double feed and we would know instantly what to do. But if you haven't done that and had that kind of training, you're much better off getting a revolver that, you know, is going to shoot, you know, every time. So. Am well, I I, yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's in, in law enforcement, every, you know, everybody's transitioned to to semi-automatics just for the, the magazine capacities and, and the like. So with that in mind, they've all been trained to do it. It's 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 just a matter of using best practices in in your in your if you get into a shootout using best practices. Um, shooting through a windshield is not <laughs> a best practice. Yeah. So it, it may it, it may be necessary at some point. But it's not a best practice, and there's reasons for that. And we saw the reason in the video why it's not a best practice. But in the end, like I said, if he felt that that was he was getting he was taking fire from a vehicle that was right in front of him, and he was going to return fire at that moment, I'm not going to fault him for that for using that. 
but it just shows the things that can go wrong yeah. when, when it happens. That's all. Well, good point. I'm going to whet your appetite for in the uh, next 15 seconds before we go to our next commercial break. But uh, Rumble.com, this is Butter. Again, our favorite channel. Body cam shows our beta police taking down a reckless motorcycle rider. And yet we have some cops that that actually go down, too, on this one. So it's a uh, interesting video that we're going to break down in great detail for our podcast and radio listeners. We'll do a commercial break that hopefully David will help me out with, and we'll be right back. All right, you guys by now certainly know about Galls at Galls.com slash Leo, the country's leading uniform clothing equipment and gear provider for law enforcement. And they have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty belts and tactical gear. And as Captain Brett Bartlett always says, they pretty much have everything for law enforcement except for guns and ammo. And we got that problem solved for you too. But uh, Corporal David, do you know what's going on at Galls this week? All right, this is it. This is it. This is it right here. It's show your pride at Gauls. All the Blue Line products, Thin Blue Line collection is is on sale at Gauls. Show your pride, the kind of pride we're going to show. Blue Line collection at Gauls. That is what you got to go get right now. That that's That's amazing. All right. That's where it's at, guys. So at Galls.com, and don't forget the slash Leo on that. You guys have got to do it. So make sure you check it out, Galls.com slash Leo. And, uh, hey, want to talk to you guys about our newest sponsor, Global Ordnance. So get ready for a coupon code from Global Ordnance, your ultimate destination for ammo, and GlobalOrdnance.com. They provide high-quality ammunition for all of your shooting needs, ensuring precision, reliability, and unmatched performance. So for a limited time, they're offering free shipping on all ammo orders that are over $200 with their exclusive coupon code, which is Leo Roundtable. So visit globalordinance.com today. Explore the wide selection of ammo. Use coupon code Leo Roundtable for free shipping on your order. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. So we left off getting ready to talk about a body cam showing Arveda police taking down a reckless motorcycle rider. So in this body cam, and again, we're describing great detail what's going on for our radio and podcast listeners. Um, it shows police removing a man from a motorcycle after he's allegedly riding high speed down closed streets following a July 4th celebration in Arveda. So the incident happens at 10 o'clock at night, July 4th. People are leaving a fireworks show at the Lutz Field Sports Complex. So Arveda police said the reckless driver was driving his motorcycle westbound in the eastbound side of the lane, uh, and it was closed to safely allow pedestrians to leave the celebration. So police uh, body-worn camera shows the officer attempting to stop the rider identified as Trey Patrick Bailey. Again, yeah, three names, right? So uh, Bailey slows down. Then he continues past the first officer, when a second Arveda police officer attempts to stop the rider, and then after a third officer warned pedestrians and, and attempted to remove Bailey from the bike, the suspect's removed from the motorcycle. Of course, we got at least one cop got knocked down. Two police officers received minor injuries when Bailey's taken to uh, jail on a slew of charges, including vehicular eluding, el el felony, DUI. Huh, that explains a little bit. Misdemeanor reckless driving, misdemeanor reckless endangerment, misdemeanor obstruction of a police officer. So, yeah, they, uh, they loaded this guy up. It sounds like it was well-deserved. Corporal David. Uh, use the weapon at hand. 
that that's that's what I that's what I like to that's my mantra. Um, if you've got a scenario like this, and it's it's no different than the vehicle that's on the interstate going the wrong way on the interstate, and you see a police officer pretty much sacrificing themselves, uh, you know, striking the vehicle to knock it off the road so that other people don't get injured or killed. Um, I don't see any, since there's I don't see any difference between that and this. Uh, your use of whatever is at hand to stop this person before he kills or seriously injures someone else because of his drunken stupidity, uh, I think is all on the table. And we saw the two officers that got injured tried to physically with their with their with their with themselves their their hands and their bodies tried to uh, push or hit or whatever they were trying to do to this guy as he was going past them on this motorcycle at varying speeds, which, I mean, okay, but God, pick up a, pick up a, a traffic cone and l l knock the crap out of this guy as he goes by, throw it at him, throw your nightstick at him, hit him, do something other than sacrificing your own body in some, in some situation like that. Uh, but you, in this type of scenario, you've got to get this guy stopped before he plows into that crowd that's crossing the street. So whatever techniques they want to use, I say are on the table, whether it's hitting them with a car or with a, with a traffic cone, which I did once at a football game. <laughs> if you want to talk about that story, Mark Hopper was there. He laughed. He laughed like a hyena behind me. But a vehicle going the wrong way, people were about to get run over and hit. And I picked up a traffic cone and put it right through his, his driver's side window and hit him with it and, and caused him to go off the road and back into the parking lot. Um, he crashed. He hit a fence or something, but... Uh, never did stop. He kept on going through the parking lot and out the other side. But hey, you've got yeah, to do what, what you got to do to stop these people. What's the statute of limitations on throwing a deadly missile into an occupied vehicle? Um, that was an that was a, a an unapproved or untested <laughs> uh -huh. uh, police technique. Um, that uh, you know would have. You got to have a victim to have a crime. So he never showed up. If he would, he would have ah. been arrested. So he knew. He so he knew better. Um, but that being said. Brother, in, in, circum in some circumstances, we just talked about this last time. In some circumstances, you got to do what you got to do in, in the in the minute. So Absolutely. don't be afraid to think. Don't be afraid to think outside the box and, and get the job done when idiots like this are endangering the public. Three-dimensional thinking, I absolutely love it, David. You probably saved some lives on that one. So good, good job. Um, anything else on this one? Are you ready to move on to the, to our next one? All right, we will keep this thing rolling then. So next story. We've got, we're at lawofficer.com. So Portland, you know, we, we miss talking about Portland, David. So Portland is going to hand out aluminum foil, glass pipes, and straws to fentanyl users or smokers. So yeah, the city of Portland will soon begin handing out aluminum foil and straws to fentanyl smokers in the latest attempt at harm reduction, according to the Daily Mail. So officials with the uh, Motoma County Health Department, they confirmed the controversial plan to local news outlets saying that they will also hand out glass pipes and snorting kits. Oh, yeah. You heard it. You heard it right. And you heard it here first, right? Health Director Jessica Gernstein said that they have seen a shift from injection of drug use to new handouts that will help uh, engage those that may not otherwise, uh, you know, use the drugs, I guess. So the new part of the program is that we're adding supplies for people who smoke drugs. And she cites that fentanyl is typically smoked by users now. And so that's the way it's going. So Portland is currently dealing with both a fentanyl and an overall drug epidemic on top of a homeless crisis. Imagine that. 
So the county spokesperson, Sarah Dean, said that the rise in fentanyl uh, users smoking the drug has reduced the need for injection services because, you know, they're just like making needles you know, available to everybody, or at least they were. So visits the clinics for injection tools and syringes, which the city currently offers for free, they have dropped by 60 percent, that's six zero percent since 2019, the spokesperson said. So that's the latest and the greatest with this one. David, maybe it's Portland on the something that we should be doing here. I mean, wow. I mean, the, you know me, the words escape me, but just wow. This is interesting, though, and I, you need to be very specific. The um, the it was the health director and the health department in Portland, not the local government. So it was the officials in the county health department that came up with this plan. And for once, the idiot mayor out there is actually wringing his hands going, no, you can't do this. You can't. This is insane. You can't do it. Um, at least that's what I'm getting from the, yeah, I think the, I think it's the mayor that's the, it's, this is absolutely unbelievable insanity. Let's not take these people off the street, get them treatment and get them off dope. Let's just propagate and enhance their experience with their narcotics in our, in our city. Let's drive more people out. Let's Let's drive more businesses out. And here's something else that I thought of when reading after reading this article. I believe at this point, states, other states, Texas, Florida, North Carolina, the states where everyone is fleeing to, I think should shut their doors and not allow anyone else from Washington, Oregon, <laughs> New York, or California into their state. You, we should make them stay where they are and suffer the consequences of the garbage that they have voted into office, the garbage policies that they, that they have promoted over these last number of years, and let them make them stay there and suffer the consequences of those policies. No more fleeing. Nobody else gets to leave. Anybody that's there, you stay there and, and deal with it. Live with it. Enjoy, you morons. I, I like the way you think. And apparently, I'm not the only one because Laya and also Lisa Winter on our streaming servers, you know, they're posting messages. They apparently agree with you, David. So. Good job. Hey, guys, moving. Well, go yeah, ahead, David. Go ahead. No, I was going to say thank you very much, but 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 that's and you could go down the list with all these cities and states. There's more than just these, but I think it's time to shut the shut the gate, lock <laughs> it. You stay there right where you are. You you asked for this. You got it. You live with it. Hey, we're nationally syndicated on what thirty six radio stations now, and uh, and Ron DeSantis, Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida. Are you listening? So hopefully, hopefully they are. So look. Back at Rumble.com, this is Butter, our favorite channel. So body cam shows an SAPD officers, this is the San Antonio Police Department, shooting an armed man in Arnold Park who was firing his gun. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Hands up. Let me So the San Antonio Police Department, they released this body cam footage. And again, for a radio and podcast listeners, we'll describe in great detail what's going on. So you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Uh, so 
They said that the officers responded to the Southside Park after receiving reports of a possible shooting that was in progress. So it's going on. The footage released on Wednesday shows officers finding the suspect, a 26-year-old named Raul Orzola. He's sitting in a sand volleyball court before he stands up and he points a gun at his head. He's got a handgun, points at his head, and eventually directs the weapon at the officers and he fires audible gunshots. You can hear him going off. There's a video of this. Yes, yeah, so the two officers can be heard returning gunfire at our bad guy, at our bad guy, Arzola, as he attempts to run away. Now, body cam footage from a third officer shows him catching up to and apprehending Arzola, who officials say throws away his gun while he's attempting to flee, and he's later taken to a hospital. Now, law enforcement determined that Arzola was firing his gun at Arnold Park before the police even got there, and. It says that he's been charged with aggravated assault on a public servant and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. So uh, that's the way this went down. Commentary, David? Yeah. Now, we did a, a use of force video a long time ago with a uh, subject. I think it was it was Ward, Mike Fowler, had a gun to his head. I was standing in front of him. And it showed how quickly someone can go from a, from a gun to their head to a gun pointed at the cop. Uh, and, and lo and behold... Uh, reality copies art, and, and there it is. Uh, luckily, neither one of the officers were, were hit. One of the officers, I'm not sure if the female officer returned fire or not, I, I couldn't tell, but the male officer uh, begins to shoot, stops, sets himself, gets a good grip, gets a good stance, and, and slowly squeezes the trigger and is sending rounds downrange at this guy controlled fire. It was a good distance. He hit him once. Okay. But again, another example, what are we talking about? Firearm control, trigger control, all that sort of thing go into eventually getting a hit on target. Now, Brett wouldn't be happy. He didn't hit him enough. The guy lived. But nonetheless, you see how these techniques come into play in these scenarios. Good point, David. Guys, our last commercial break coming up, but we will be right back. You know, no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. GunLearn.com, they've taken the confusion out of learning and they've made it easy. GunLearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offers a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist like our Captain Brett Bartlett. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy. In their training, it's approved by, by major forensic organizations, by law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that LEOs, that's law enforcement officers, need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar. And you can actually get free training for yourself and all the personnel of your agency by hosting a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. All right, guys, and welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We're still live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. David, if we've exhausted the last topic, you ready to move on? All right, we've got an interesting story about a mayor. Mayor gets taken out by one of his own. Oh, yeah, you got to love this story. Lawofficer.com, a mayor arrested for first-degree burglary by his own Police department. Well, at least they all know each other there. You know, I'm sure it's like a little family get together. South Fulton, Georgia. So the South Fulton mayor was arrested Saturday morning for after entering a house that he says he mistakenly believed was abandoned, according to Fox News. Now, the mayor's name is Khalid Kamu. He's charged with criminal trespass and burglary in the first degree. He was booked into the Fulton County Jail 
and was released on Saturday night after posting an $11,000 bond. Now, rumor has it on good authority that Mayor Camus explained, well, let me just get to his explanation first. He explained after being arrested, he was interested in looking at a house that he believed was abandoned. And here's a quote saying, I just wanted to see the house. I do apologize to the owners. I thought it was abandoned. All right. So some people maybe scratched their head thinking there may be some, you know, uh, credence to what he's saying. Uh, sources tell Fox five that Atlanta, though, that the property owner held the mayor at gunpoint until the cops arrived. Uh, but that was not confirmed by law enforcement. Could you imagine showing up and they got uh, they, the residents have got the mayor at gunpoint. So as South Fulton police officers were escorting the mayor to a police cruiser, the mayor says that he hopes that the quote, the spotlight on our city right now will highlight some of the inequities that have been happening unquote. Now, what the heck does he mean by that? So Mayor Camus, he did not give any detail, details on what he meant by inequities, uh, but South Fulton, according to our article, it's the blackest city in America uh, among the cities with a population of over 100,000 people, and that's according to the 2020 census. Nearly 92% of its residents are black, according to the WABE. And the entire city council and staff of the mayor are also black. Camus was sworn in as mayor in January 2022. He describes himself as a socialist. In 2016, Camus, our mayor, was one of the founders of Atlanta Black Lives Matter. So it all starts to make sense now, David. What do you no, think? It, it, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> not, 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 a, not a lick of sense. Um, you know, there, again, the, the article has just enough information to make it kind of interesting, but then it leaves out a lot of stuff that I just, we need to know. I mean, the, was the, did, did the house, I'd like to see a picture of the house. Did it look so, was it so derelict that it really looked abandoned? Was it, you know, what, what are the circumstances? Is he's investing in real estate and is in his own, I, you know, I, yeah, there's just not enough. I need to know more. It's, was it's, it, was the door unlocked? Did he force his way in for a yeah. uh, did, yeah. did he go through a window through the back, through the front? Uh, like you said, did he kick a door? Was it? Yeah. Uh, it's, it was there even a door on the, on the, on the front. I mean, how, how did that work? That's. Inquiring minds want to know. I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, well, but but nonetheless, a socialist and a black lives matter <laughs> All right, God, uh, you can't know, ask you. Thank you. We we don't write these stories, people. Did but we just use it for our entertainment and for yours too. So, all right. So moving along here, Rumble.com. This is Butter again, our favorite uh, video channel. And look. Every news story today, it's hard to find a good one without a video component. So we'll describe in great detail what's going on for a radio and podcast listener. So dash cam shows a hit and run driver crashing into a Robbinsville officer when assisting a disabled vehicle. See this, this one way sign right there. There's a parking lot right there. We're going to push you right into there. Okay. Yep. It turns in here. Guys. This, this hurt. This is just a wicked, wicked hit. Um, on Saturday around 11.30 p.m., and, and it was not this past Saturday, but it, it did happen on a Saturday. It was almost midnight. Robbinsville police officer uh, Connor Boyle, he's only 25 years old, thank God. That's probably why he recovered so well. He was assisting a disabled vehicle. So the officer was standing outside the patrol car, which had his, his emergency lights activated. So as officer Boyle, is talking with the driver of the disabled vehicle. A 2020 Volkswagen Passat uh, came traveling southbound. It strikes him as well as his patrol car, and it hits the disabled vehicle too. The driver did not stop and continued going southbound. Officer Boyle managed to call for help. Medics arrived at the scene. 
took him to the hospital. He was later released and is expected to make a full recovery. Let me tell you, I can't believe this guy made it out of that out of that alive. The investigators identified the hit and run driver as Rachel Glatt. She's 52 years old of, of East Windsor, New Jersey. Police said they found Glatt's vehicle at her home. She was arrested, charged with second degree aggravated assault on a police officer, fourth, fourth degree assault by an auto, reckless driving, other related offenses. She was processed and transported to the Mercer County Correctional Facility where, where uh, hopefully she still is. David, what are you? I mean, wow. Yeah, enough, exactly. Wow. I, I would. You. I'm watching the video, and I am looking at myself. I mean, I cannot tell you how many times the exact words are coming out of my mouth. Okay, sir. Your car. Okay, get in. Take. Put it in. Put it in neutral. We're gonna push it over to that parking lot. We're gonna get it out of the street. See that sign over there? It's this driveway right next to it. And I mean, the lights go out. This car hit him so square uh, beside that uh, that disabled vehicle. He disappeared behind or in, over under the grill of that car. I, 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 how he? Oh wow! I have no idea how he got out of that without getting killed. Um, it looked like it took the door off the disabled vehicle as well. Like the driver's door was open. He was standing toward the back or the rear driver's side passenger door or rear driver's side door the car comes in and hits him and takes the door off with i it was oh my lord i've that that was horrendous that was a, a horrendous video the speed that this driver was going at was remarkable it was this car she yeah. was flying yeah. I, I have no idea what the what it is what the anomaly is that attracts drunks to flashing lights but you see it all the time, you know, cop cars, fire engines, um, disabled vehicles with their flashers on on the side of the road. And, and a, a drunk will find it and hit it uh, just it, like a like a magnet. It's amazing. Well, maybe, they, maybe we should ask producer Jimmy. Jimmy, what is it that attracts drunks to these flashing lights on the side of the road? They blind you. They blind you. Amazing. Okay. Okay. Think about it. You're hammered. What happens? Your, your, your system is slowed down, right? So your eyes don't have time to adjust to the light flashing back and forth. Oh, Thus goodness. it blinds them. Boom. Right. Moth to flame. So the moral of the story, brothers and sisters is either reflective triangles or flares. There you go. Put oh, them out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's even worse as they run through the cones and the, we just had a story about somebody running through cones. Remember the drunk oh, going yeah. through <laughs> the cones on a motorcycle. That's um, extra special. You know, you see, you see now uh, fire departments ins instituting policies where they will take their full-size fire engine, you know, a, a, a ladder truck or a water truck full-size yeah. and pull it, I mean, almost perpendicular across the lanes that they're working in behind them um, yeah. and let that vehicle take the hit, which you you, it, you would have to have an enormous vehicle to move oh, yeah. that thing. Oh, yeah. Um, but, and, and you see a lot of the policies changing that way, especially on, on roadways you know, highways and, and places like that where they'll do it to protect the, their, their guys that are working a scene. Um, it's, it's horrendous. And that, and this was at night. So it was, it was also dark, but again, you, the, the, the illumination from the police car, you could see everything very clearly. So it wasn't as if you didn't see them. Yeah. The fire department's got the right idea. I mean, I wish we uh, had a, <laughs> I wish we had one of those trucks lists everywhere we went. So Hey, uh, well, we, we, you know, listen, we all had we all had policy. I mean, it, every agency, and it's not really policy, but it's again best practice. A lot of times, you start stringing stuff behind you, other vehicles, oh, yeah. other police cars, further and further back, so that you know there's a a, a, a big lead and a big warning set up uh, way behind you. 
you know, the crest of a hill, the, 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 the curves, the things like that, where you're setting cars up way behind you to warn people as they're coming or coming into those places. It's, I agree. it's spooky. It's spooky. All right, let me get this last one real quick. We got it less, just less than a minute. Lawofficer.com. Chicago police officers under investigation for alleged migrant sex allegations. This story, if it is true, oh my gosh, there's going to be some people going to be hurting. Multiple Chicago police officers are under an internal investigation. Allegations, officers, sexual interactions with the female uh, migrants at Westside Police Station, according to multiple news outlets. Now, the incidents uh, currently happened the 10th District uh, Police Station in North Lawndale. Up until Friday afternoon, half the lobby of the 10th district had been temporarily uh, temporary home for the number of migrant families according to chicago sun times one of the officers has even been accused of impregnating a teenage girl oh my gosh both copa and ia are investigating according to the abc 7 news thousands of asylum seekers have been arriving in chicago since the summer and hundreds have been sleeping in the police station floors all across the city david 10 seconds god i hope that's not true that's all i mean there's nothing else you can say is oh my god i hope that's not true i mean that's just Oh, wow. Another wow. Impregnating a teenager. Oh, my gosh. I'm with you. I hope it's not true. Hey, uh, great. D- David, good show of the day. Thanks for being here. Um, also, a shout out to our sponsors, Motion DSP, GullsGunLearn.com, Global Ordnance. And hey, saving uh, that free shipping on orders over 200 using the Leo Roundtable coupon code, guys. Don't forget it. Bang Energy, thanks for the fuel. Also, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media at RedVoiceMedia.com. If you guys haven't checked out that news source yet for national news, please do it at Red Voice Media. Dot com And, uh, hey, Randy Sutton has founded the Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org. It's a 501c3. They're helping cops out in a world of hurt, suffering from PTSD, um, other medical issues that maybe their agency is not covering, or maybe they're not even offered a retirement disability out. So check them out. Support them. They're not going to embarrass you. The Wounded Blue, the WoundedBlue.org. It's a uh, it's really a great organization, and Lieutenant Randy is on our show frequently every week as well. So check them out. Hey, uh, all of our streamers, thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate your support. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Thanks.